Welcome to Speaking of Wounds, a podcast by the Wound Care Learning Network. I'm Kira Fedition, Associate Digital Editor for Wound Care, and we're happy to have you listening today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is intended as an informational tool for medical professionals and is not intended to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Our guest today is Dr. Hamid Koja, Chief Scientific Officer for Fibrobiologics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on fibroblast cell-based therapies, and he'll be speaking with us today about the use of fibroblasts in wound healing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. Could you just take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience and let us know a bit about your experience and your current work as it relates to wound care? Certainly. My name is Hamid Khwaja. I'm the Chief Scientific Officer at Fibrobiologics. We are a startup, about three years old. One of the clinical indications that we are very interested in pursuing is acceleration of wound healing. Uh, and we can discuss that a little bit further. I have a significant experience in uh, research and development of products and genomics, epigenomics and proteomics. And uh, I migrated into clinical applications uh, just a few years ago when I joined Fibrobiologics. Great. Well, let's jump right into it. So it seems like there's a lot of attention given to stem cells and regenerative medicine these days. Could you tell our audience a bit about what fibroblasts are and how they're different from stem cells? Certainly. So fibroblasts are one of the most prevalent cells in the human body. If you can imagine, they are responsible for building the extracellular matrix of uh, uh, all your tissues, all the tissues in the human body. So they are very prevalent. They're in every organ, in every tissue system known. And uh, they have these, they have three different uh, three specific characteristics which are very important and do you find these some of these characteristics overlap with stem cells one is that they differentiate into various type of cells including even mesenchymal stem cells they can uh, regulate the immune system by secreting multiple cytokines such as IL1 IL6 IL8 MCP CCL2, and uh, a variety of prostaglandins. They also serve as a st for stem cell recruitment, and they also maintain stem cell niches in the heart, lung, liver, kidney, skin, and intestines. Uh, so while they have very uh, similarities to mesenchymal stem cells and stem cells in general, they are, as I said, more prevalent. They are they exist at an order of uh, 5,000 to 10,000 higher number than, uh, than stem cells. So they're easier to obtain, easier to source, easier to culture, uh, not just easier in terms of the work involved in being able to culture, isolate, and grow and maintain and manufacture, but also the cost, um, the, the significant cost difference between trying to isolate culture and manufacture stem cells uh, as compared to fibroblasts. Okay, and what role do fibroblasts play in wound healing? Are they directly involved in regenerating skin over a wound, and how does that work? Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you look at, uh, it's generally accepted that uh, wound healing is four stages, correct? So hemostasis, inflammation, proliferation, and remodeling. Fibroblasts are involved in every single step of the wound healing, and, and their role is critical in every single step. For example, in the hemostasis step, 
the injury that uh, to our skin, it induces platelets to degranulate and release cytokines. And these cytokines impact fibroblasts, which then increase the levels of IL-1, IL-6, IL-12, TNS-alpha to initiate and maintain the hemostasis. In the inflammation uh, stage, uh, fibroblasts recruit immune cells by, by excreting IL-6, IL-12, TNF-alpha, and gamma, as well as a host of CXCL1 and CCL2 cytokines. In the proliferation phase, uh, they contribute to the angiogenesis and tissue granulation by secreting VEGF, FGF, angiopoietin, and uh, thrombospondin. Uh, they also produce uh, the MMPs that are required to break the fibrin. Uh, and also, of course, their major role, create new extracellular matrix and collagen matrix. And they also enable the migration of other cells that are associated in wound healing, such as characterocytes, basal epithelium, that are required for angiogenesis and epithelialization. In the remodeling phase, they fibroblasts, they differentiate into myofibroblasts, which aid in the contracting and closing of the wounds. And they also secrete more complex extracellular proteins as the wound is healing, which strengthen and rebuilds that damaged skin, but uh, also to control scarring that typically occurs when that stage, uh, the fibroblasts are not working properly. So very critical roles in every step of the wound healing process. I see. So could you tell us a little about the animal model studies you've carried out with fibroblasts and diabetic wound healing? What's the data been showing so far? Right. So uh, we have uh, we initiated a preclinical animal model study uh, to see how we could utilize fibroblasts and, uh, and basically see if we could accelerate the wound healing process. So for that, we utilized a mouse model, a genetically modified mouse model that uh, develops uh, type, type uh, 2 diabetes that is very similar to what we see in humans. And our results to date have indicated that we can easily increase the wound healing rate in these animal models by 35, 40%. And this is just the initial results. And we've seen that uh, not only do fibroblast cells aid in accelerating the wound healing, but we've been able to isolate certain products from fibroblasts, fibroblast-derived products that have indicated uh, aiding and accelerating wound healing. So we are, at the moment, we're carrying out most animal model studies to find out the mode of action on some of these fibroblasts and, and basically get a sense of how we could activate these fibroblasts to even further increase the wound healing rate. So uh, our, our preclinical study is ongoing. Hopefully, we will have some substantial data in the next couple of months that we could use to uh, file for animal uh, for human that is uh, hopefully at the beginning of 2024. Great. Now, would fibroblasts be used along with other treatments in wound healing? And how do they compare to other treatments in terms of efficacy or cost? 
Yeah, so we've we've actually compared against some of the uh, commercially available products that are used currently in diabetic foot ulcers, and they have they of course they all started with animal model studies as well, and we've compared against two products so far, and uh, um, to our amazement, Fibroblast has generated far better results than the products that are in the market. So we are very excited about uh, continuing uh, to finish our preclinical studies so we could begin the process of testing on human subjects. And what are the next steps in using fibroblasts to accelerate wound healing? Well, some of the next steps for us would be to determine what is the uh, best mode of administration. Do we go with fibroblasts themselves or a fibroblast-derived product? And how do we administer? Uh, how is this going to be administered, whether it's cells or products? So uh, we are in the process of designing experiments to help us elucidate that. So hopefully within the next several months, we'll have a better idea of which one of our products uh, that are fibroblast or fibroblast-derived product we will take through to submit to the FDA human, human study. Great. And I think you mentioned a little already, but what are your thoughts on the timeline for human trials for wound healing? Uh, I, I think it's going to depend which path we take. Uh, if we take the med- medical device path and a 510K approval process, it'll be significantly faster. We'll have to have a discussion with the FDA once we have determined which is the best mode of administration uh, in our animal trials. And if they determine that 510K approval is the best as some of the products that are currently in the market for diabetic foot ulcers have gone through 510K approvals. Uh, If we could go that route, then it'll be significantly faster. We could uh, realistically have a product in the market by end of 2024, early 2025 at the latest, if if we go that route. If we go through the IBD path, that would be a little bit longer, perhaps late 2000, mid to late 2025. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Dr. Koja. That wraps up our discussion for today. Uh, But for more information on today's topic, we invite our listeners to explore all of the resources available online at the Wound Care Learning Network. Thanks again for joining us on Speaking of Wounds and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the discussion.